If you have a Bible, please take it and turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. As we resume our study in the Sermon on the Mount. And I want to go ahead and begin by reading our passage from Matthew 6, verses 19 through 24. Jesus is teaching, and he says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is the darkness. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. As I said today, we're resuming our study in the Sermon on the Mount, found in Matthew chapter 5, verse, chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. And as we do, uh, I just want to begin with a question and a review. So the question is, um, when you think about the word treasure, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind when you think about the word treasure? You might write that down, a thought or two, or if you'd like, you can draw a picture of treasure. What, what, what does a treasure mean to you? And as you do that, let's review where we've been in the Sermon on the Mount. In the Sermon on the Mount, you'll remember that, that Jesus, the greater Moses, walked up a mountain and he sat down and began to teach his disciples about the kingdom of God and the way of happiness and flourishing that he calls all of his followers to walk in. So Matthew 5, 1 through 16, we studied probably about a year ago, I think. It contains the Beatitudes and the call to be salt and light in the world. And that forms the introduction to the, the Sermon on the Mount. Then the, the middle section, the heart of the sermon, runs from Matthew chapter 5, verse 17, all the way through chapter 7, verse 12. Uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 20, sets this theme of the, the greater righteousness of the kingdom of God. And that runs through this middle part of the, the sermon. It helps us to understand Matthew 5, 20. I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will enter, never enter the kingdom of heaven. So that body of the sermon breaks down into about three parts. Chapter 5, verses 21 through 48, we see this how this greater righteousness relates to the law, as Jesus calls us to wholeness and to heart devotion, not just outward adherence to the law like the Pharisees practiced. And then the first part of chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, we find Jesus talking about a greater righteousness in our personal devotion. You remember he talks about um, our, our giving, um, he talks about our prayer lives. He talks about fasting. And he says that we should, again, as opposed to the Pharisees, we should seek the glory of God above the praise of other people in these personal um, devotions. 
And now in chapter 6, verse 19 through chapter 7, verse 12, we're moving from our personal and our private lives into our public lives, you might say. From the devotion that we practice in secret to the way that we live before and interact with the world around us. We might even say that we're moving from the sacred to the, the secular. However, as I say that, we should note that Jesus doesn't separate these two spheres of life as we often do, arguing that, that our lives can be somehow divided into religious devotion and, and secular pursuits. Uh, in fact, he's doing the exact opposite here in the sermon. He, he's showing us that the greater righteousness of the kingdom and our devotion and commitment to Jesus needs to fill every area of our lives. That Jesus doesn't want to just be king over some religious portion of our lives and let us do whatever we want in the other areas. No, he is to be king over all that we are. And it's this, this wholeness and this wholeheartedness that are at the core of the blessedness found in walking in the ways of Christ. He begins speaking about our public righteousness and he addresses one of the great temptations of our lives, money and possessions. We are faced every day with the allure of materialism and the false promises of money. With the temptation to consider the physical, tangible things that we have or that we want as more important than all of the unseen things in life. We naturally view our jobs as a way of earning money so that we can purchase and keep all the things that we desire. We look to the stuff of earth to fill the desires of our hearts. We, we trust in our savings accounts, in our insurance policies, more than we trust in the care of our Heavenly Father. But the greater righteousness of the kingdom turns our hearts away from materialism, and it calls us to invest our lives in the enduring unseen treasures of heaven. And so here in these verses, this is what we're told. We're told, strive for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure. Strive for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom. Seek after this wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure. This seeking for treasure or for reward is a theme that's carried over actually from the previous verses in Matthew 6, 19 through 21, Therefore, it, it forms this, this conclusion to the previous section, but it also forms an introduction to the new section. So as a, as a conclusion, we're reminded that, that our, our giving, our praying, our, in, in our giving and our praying and our fasted, we're tempted to treasure something. We're, set, we're tempted to treasure the praise of other people. And as an introduction, we see that in our working, in our saving, and in our living, we are tempted to treasure money and possessions. And so we see that, that pursuing praise from others, the first part of chapter 6, or pursuing earthly possessions, the second part of chapter 6, that both of these things divide our loyalties. They divide our, our hearts, and a divided heart fails to find the true treasure of full devotion to Jesus. Jonathan Pennington writes, for, he, he says, even as it is impossible to live to the praise of others and for the praise and for the praise of God, you can't do both of those, chapter 6, verses 1 through 21, so too it is impossible to live greedily focused on money and dedicated to God. This is fundamentally impossible because disciples must be singular, whole creatures. And so while this passage is about 
money and possessions in particular, it's ultimately about our commitment to Christ. And that's why we say it's a call to strive for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure. Note also that this is a call to joy and to life. Wholehearted devotion to the Lord and the avoidance of being devoted to money and possessions is the way of the kingdom that brings flourishing to us and brings honor to God. Jesus is, is not calling us away from a life of seeking material possessions because he wants to make us miserable. But he's doing it because he knows that these things will never make us happy or secure. Jesus knows what has been proven over and over again throughout history and through countless surveys, namely the truth that no amount of money or possessions will ever make us happy. Do you believe that? No amount of money or possessions will ever make us truly happy. There is no correlation ultimately between our finances and our joy in life. Therefore, Jesus gives these illustrations and commands in this passage to proclaim that devotion to the Lord is the wise and the good and the logical way to walk in, and that selling our souls for money, that's foolish and evil and, in fact, illogical for the child of God. Now, let's just be clear. Jesus is not giving us a prohibition against the wise saving of money. He's not telling us that we cannot enjoy the good gifts of God that are found in this world. Rather, he is, he is pushing against the kind of selfishness that invests in worldly wealth primarily for our personal pleasure. The kind of hard-heartedness that forgets or ignores the poverty and the need that are all around us. And the foolishness that focuses on this world more than on the next. So Jesus wisely reminds us that our things and our wallets they are always threatening to, to coil around our hearts and to squeeze out our devotion to him. So therefore, we must strive, we must fight for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that instead would make Jesus our treasure. It does this through three illustrations, uh, three things that we'll think about this afternoon. He says to us, store your treasures in heaven, see riches with a healthy and generous eye, and serve God alone. Let's walk through those. Beginning in verse, verses 19 through 21, there's this command, store your treasures in heaven. Store your treasures in heaven. Where do you hide your valuables? Do you have a safe in your house? Or maybe you just stuff it all underneath your mattress? Uh, most, if not all of us, have some money that we keep in the bank. Maybe some of you have a safety deposit box where you have some really valuable things. Kids, do you have a, maybe like a special box or a, a shelf or something where you keep all of your valuable things, the things that you cherish the most? It's interesting to look at what Jesus says here. He doesn't tell us not to treasure things because the question is not whether or not we're going to lay up treasure for ourselves. That's, that's going to happen. The, the question is, is what is the treasure that we're laying up and where are we going to lay it up? We, we all treasure something. And the things that we really value, we, we store somewhere safe. We try to protect them. But the problem with any treasure here on earth and, and any place that we would store it is that nothing here lasts forever. And there is no place on earth that is ultimately secure. If you haven't noticed this, Storage units are a pretty big deal. 
Uh, it seems to me like there's a new storage unit facility built around here like every day. I don't know. <laughs> and, and while there's, there's certainly good uses for these places, we got a bunch of stuff in storage as a church, um, they also seem to be symptomatic of our nation's problem with materialism. We have bigger and bigger homes, but we still have more stuff than we can fit into our houses, and we still want more things. And so we pack these little garages with our stuff, and then we forget about them. And the same thing happens in our homes, and the same thing happens in our closets. We hold on to everything, and then we get more things. But then what happens? Our clothes wear out, or they go out of style, or we get... Kids, maybe you had a, a favorite shirt that you wore last summer, and it doesn't fit you anymore. You can't wear it because it doesn't last. Or we think about how things would rust. Some of us have basements that can flood. Uh, we have fire that could destroy our homes. Some of you have experienced a thief breaking in and stealing something from you. Or, or maybe you have investments, and your investments go bad, and you lose your savings. However it happens, material treasures are always just, they're just right on the verge of being lost forever. But losing our stuff is actually not the greatest problem. The warning here, according to verse 21, is, is that our hearts are going to follow what we treasure. Jesus tells us that where our treasure is, is where our heart will also be. So if our treasure is not safe, and if our treasure is where our heart is, then our heart is not safe if we're putting it in these earthly things that will fade and fall apart. Because our, our money and our possessions, they are never completely secure, which means that it's a very dangerous place to put your heart. If you're trusting in your money, if you're trusting in your possessions, and they are never fully safe, that's a dangerous place to put your heart. But what if instead of storing up earthly, material, destructible, fading treasures and risking the destruction of our hearts, we instead invested our lives in heavenly, spiritual, indestructible, glorious treasures? What if we set our hearts in eternity and on eternal riches? Well, then if we did that, we, we would know that what we're striving for would never cease. And not only would our treasure be secure, but what else would be secure? Our hearts. What we treasure could never be taken away from us. We could never ultimately be fully disappointed if we're treasuring things that last forever. Well, the question then becomes, what are these treasures laid up that endure and that are eternal in God's kingdom? These things that will never be lost, what are they? Well, I'll tell you what they definitely are not. They're definitely not anything that you can see or touch or hold on to ultimately. Nothing you can put in your storage unit because they're things that will last forever. They're not credits that we buy on our way to heaven to get us in, but rather they are the intangible priceless treasures that endure. John Stock gives us a solid list to get our minds going in the right direction. Let me read these. He's got five what are, what are the enduring treasures? The development of Christ-like character, since all we can take to heaven with us is ourselves. The increase of faith, hope, and charity, all of which Paul said abide. Growth in the knowledge of Christ, 
whom one day we shall see face to face. The active endeavor by prayer and witness to introduce others to Christ so that they too may inherit eternal life. And the use of our money for Christian causes, which is the only investment whose dividends are everlasting. You probably didn't get all those. I can give you the list later if you want it. But he talks about Christ-like character. He talks about faith, hope, and charity. He talks about growth in the knowledge of Christ. He talks about introducing others to Christ. And he talks about investing our money in Christian causes. The question then is, is that what we're investing our money and our possessions in? Is that what we're investing our lives in? Are you investing in these eternal things more than in, these, than in earthly things? Is the effort of your life focused on eternal treasure? If so, then that's where your heart will be and you will never be disappointed. But if your treasure is in earthly gifts, then you run the risk of losing them all and having your heart be crushed in the process. Well, the second illustration is in verses 22 and 23. It gives us another angle to consider earthly treasure from and another eternal investment option. And so not only should we store our treasure in heaven, but secondly, we should see riches with a healthy and generous eye. We should see riches with a healthy and generous eye. In Wendell Berry's novel, Jaber Crow, Jaber, who's the, the town barber, he tell, he's telling his story uh, his, about growing up, and he talks about a neighbor when he was a kid, a neighbor named Tom Cotman. And he remembers this about Tom Cotman. He writes, After he was struck blind, Tom Cotman said, I'm dark. And ever afterward, that was what they called him, Dark Tom. To lose our physical vision is in a very real sense to go dark. And likewise, if we allow our eyes to be focused on only the material things in front of us, we will become blind to the weightier, weightier matters of God's world. We will become dark. Our eyes and our life will not be healthy but bad, and we will stumble on our heavenly journey. I think that's what Jesus is getting at in this illustration that he gives about the eye and the healthy eye and the evil eye. The, the word that's, that's translated here as healthy is actually better understood as, as singular or, or whole. And it also includes some shades of meaning about generosity and kindness. That's why Dr. Pennington translate the word, translates that word as whole and generous. So you would read it, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is whole and generous. Your whole body will be full of light. A whole and, and generous eye towards the riches is the towards riches is the opposite of an eye that's filled with greed and envy and stinginess. Again, Dr. Pennington is helpful. He translated it translates it as evil and greedy. And so if your eye is evil and greedy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Jesus is not mincing words here, is he? He's telling us that if we focus our lives on the accumulation of money and possessions, then we are walking in darkness. We are dark. We are blind. So how do we walk in wholeness and how do we walk in the light? At least part of the answer is by being generous. Generosity brings light into our lives. 
to go back to this idea of storing up treasure in heaven, we find that one way to do that is by being generous with our earthly treasure. The way to build up heavenly treasure is not by hoarding earthly treasure, but it's by giving it away. Giving to those in need and giving away what we have as a way to, as a way to bless others is something that will last for inter- eternity. In Matthew 25, it's what separates the sheep from the goats. And rather than blinding us, generosity lights our way and reminds us of what is truly valuable and what is eternal. And so if we're going to, to strive for the wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure, then we must store our treasure in heaven and we must see riches with a healthy and a generous eye rather than with an evil and a greedy one. And then finally, we are to serve God alone. Serve God alone. Very clear in verse 24. No, man can, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. When the Chicago Cubs and the Cleveland Indians played one another in the 2016 World Series, I was totally lost as a baseball fan. Uh, I had adopted the Cubs as my National League team, and I had spent many hours with Andrea, listening to them on the radio, watching them on TV. We loved watching the Cubs. But Cleveland is my, is my hometown, and, and your hometown allegiance has never really fade, you know? And so I, I assumed that Cleveland would never play Chicago in the World Series. They were the, the longest World Series droughts up to that point. How that ever happened? Of course it did. And so in game one of that series, I learned that you can't cheer for two teams at the exact same time uh, when they're playing against each other. I think in a similar way, Jesus makes it clear that money is the kind of master that wants everything from you. Our possessions are always asking for our full devotion. And if we're not careful, we will be drawn away from devotion to the Lord by these things. We can end up filling our days with with work or with projects around our house or with buying and playing with new, new toys. Our, our stuff that is supposed to serve us ends up controlling us. It's been said that money is a great servant but a cruel master. It's true. And if money is our master, then God is not. There's no way around it, is there? Jesus says, you cannot serve God and money. And here we come full circle back to that that main theme of wholehearted devotion. Jesus, in speaking about money, is really talking about our commitment to him and to his kingdom. And few things can draw us away from Christ more than materialism. Materialism will tether our hearts to the earth instead of allowing them to sit in the heavenly places where Christ is. Christ, though, is never a cruel master like money. He's always good. But the allure of money is strong, which means that we have to fight. We have to strive for this wholehearted devotion to God's kingdom that makes Jesus our treasure. We need to store up our treasures in heaven. We need to see riches with a healthy and generous eye. We need to serve God alone. And so with all that in mind, let me summarize some applications that we've sort of mentioned in passing. Just four things as we close. Number one, let earthly possessions point you to the Father and to the future. Let your earthly possessions not not control you, but let your earthly possessions point you to the Father and to the future. 
every good gift, every perfect gift comes from the Father. And we can receive these things with gladness and we can enjoy them for his glory. But we should always be reminded that they are fading and rusting and can be stolen. We need to remember the fleeting quality of money and of things. And so let your joy in God's gifts not, not be in the gift itself, but allow it to point you back to him and also to the future reality that these things are fading. So let earthly possessions point you to the Father in the future. Second, invest your life in heavenly treasures that endure. Invest your life in heavenly treasures that endure. What are the heavenly treasures? Well, take Stott's list that we read, add generosity to it, and then think about it. Think with others. Get together and make a list. Make a list of, of, of what heavenly treasures are so that you can put off materialism and put on heavenly treasures that will last forever. Let earthly possessions point you to the Father in the future. Invest your life in heavenly treasures that endure. Third, invest your earthly possessions in a way that produces heavenly treasures. Invest your earthly possessions in a way that produces heavenly treasures. Stop mentioned this as I read through that list, but think of your, of your money less as a means of serving yourself and more as an opportunity to bless and to serve others. Now realize, that could be your immediate family. We could use our money to bless those that are in our lives. It could be your church family. It could be those in need and in poverty. It could be those in vocational ministry. It could be so many other things. But we take our earthly possessions and we use them and we invest them in a way that it transforms these earthly things that we have into heavenly treasures that will endure. That's what Jesus is talking about in Luke 12, 33. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. How do you get those money bags? By selling your possessions and giving to the needy. Final point. We must remind, remind yourself often that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. Remind yourself often that Jesus is the greatest treasure in the universe. What came to your mind when you thought of the word treasure? What words, what images, what pictures? For the Christian, Jesus should come to our minds. It's okay if he didn't. He didn't come to my, my mind when I heard the word treasure first either. But that's the point of this. When we hear the word treasure, Jesus should come to our minds. We know Colossians 2, 3, in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus is the treasure we sell all to find because he's given himself up for us. Everything that money and possessions promise us can only be given to us by Jesus. It can only be found in him. What do you think that money and possessions can give you? What, do you? what are you looking for? What are we looking for in money and possessions? Are we looking for satisfaction? That's only found in Jesus. Are we looking for joy and pleasure? Jesus gives more joy and pleasure than money or possessions could ever give. Are we looking for peace and security? Money might fail you. Your things might fail you. 
Jesus will never fail you. Are you looking for status? Are you looking for rest? Those things only come from Christ. What about salvation? No, you you can't buy your way into heaven. You can't buy your way into heaven any more than you can work your way in. Salvation is a free gift from God to those who trust in Jesus for salvation, who believe that Jesus has lived and died and risen again and has granted forgiveness and new life to those who trust in him. No. There's nothing that, that money or possessions promise us that Jesus can't give us and that isn't found ultimately in him. Treasure Jesus. Don't treasure money and possessions.